If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is VEASAN's College Basketball Betting Podcast. Here is your host, Tim Murray. Welcome in, everyone. Another edition of the College Basketball Betting Podcast. Tim Murray with you and joined as always, on these Monday evening slash Tuesday morning podcasts, Adam Burke running alongside. Adam, here we go, baby. And I'm not talking about the crappy performance of Oklahoma State that I bet on tonight. We actually had conference tournament action. We had almost a buzzer beater in the Bellarmine North Florida game so we're ready. We're ready. Here we go. We will have tickets punched this weekend, Adam. And you of all people have to be juiced up for all of this mid-major action that we're going to take in this week. Yeah, man. I'm excited. I actually wrote the Atlantic Sun Tournament preview over at vcin.com along with the Horizon League, uh, Missouri Valley, Colonial, uh, Zach Cohen doing some of the other conference tournaments as well. Look, I... I understand in our line of work, it's sacrilegious to say this, but give me the two weeks of conference tournaments over the NCAA tournament all day, what? every day. There's there's games all day long. You've got points of reference. It's not just two random teams playing against each other. Uh, I love the two weeks of conference tournaments. Yeah, it is. Uh, it is great. And we're going to dive into it here. And uh, obviously, uh, highly, highly, highly recommend for all those folks listening in. Please read Adam and, and all our great work over at vcin.com uh, as we uh, as he breaks down all of these mid-major conference tournaments that are underway. More games to come on Tuesday, Wednesday. And uh, as I mentioned, we will have uh, conference championships crowned over the weekend. I want to get to all of those games as the show goes on, Adam. Uh, but let's start with the weekend that was and, and look ahead a little bit to Tuesday and Wednesday here in the, the power five conferences, power six conferences, I guess the mountain West technically should be ahead of uh, any discussion of the ACC because, well, they're a better conference. Uh, that's just the factual statement uh, per Ken Palm metric. So um, crazy weekend. We saw buzzer beaters, Arizona state hitting a 60 foot uh, buzzer beater, uh, Hunter Dickinson, uh, at the buzzer at the end of regulation, Iowa's magical comeback, San Diego State winning uh, against New Mexico at the buzzer. It was just an absolutely ridiculous weekend. Uh, so many 
crazy things that unfolded. I don't know if we can do one overarching, uh, you know, biggest takeaway, Adam, but uh, I'll throw that impossible question to you. Anything you pulled away, learned from the weekend, changed your mind in the futures market? Uh, what, what, what stood out to you from the weekend? Yeah, I mean, look, there's a lot of ways I guess we could take this, as you alluded to, and, and I think kind of the primary one is a lot of what we talked about you know, on previous shows in terms of looking at the national championship landscape of there really aren't that many elite or great college basketball teams this year. It feels like a lot of these teams very, very vulnerable. I mean, credit to West Virginia. They come back and, and play a really strong game. Uh, here tonight or on uh, Monday night, excuse me, against Iowa State, win that game on the road after you know going down to the wire with Kansas, but you know lackluster performance from Kansas. Uh, Alabama needed a pretty big second half comeback to take down Arkansas. They trailed by nine at the break. Indiana goes on the road, beats Purdue. That's not a good look for the Boilermakers nope. in a season where the Big Ten is down quite a bit, and you know everyone's been talking about Indiana on the road. You know, Virginia loses to North Carolina, and then North Carolina follows it up with a nice road win in Tallahassee over Florida State. There just aren't that many really good teams. I think we could see a substantial amount of chaos in the NCAA tournament this year. Well, and I think I think that's fair. And what I really wouldn't be surprised about, Adam, and I'm curious your thoughts, is look, we had uh, Jamie and Christian, former D1 basketball coach on VEASAN primetime Monday night, and I asked him, I said, is UNC a, is something wrong with them? Or is this just a team that just got hot for a month? And he said pretty emphatically, in his opinion, uh, at this point, it's just a team that got hot for a month and made it all the way to the national championship game. And I, the reason I preface that or bring that up is, you know, in early January, right before Kentucky went on the road to Rocky Top as a double-digit underdog to take on Tennessee, Adam. Kentucky was 10-6, and 1-3 and three in conference play, just lost at home to South Carolina, and people were in the stands pleading for John Calipari to take the Texas job. Here we are uh, on, you know, near March 1st, and Kentucky is kind of turned things around here. They still have some ugly losses. The Georgia loss wasn't pretty, but they've won four games in a row. Absolutely destroyed Auburn over the weekend. And the reason I bring this up, you know, Bracket Matrix has them around a seven seed. If they win a couple more games, wouldn't be crazy to see them on a six line. Is Kentucky this year's North Carolina? And what I mean by that is this is a team that was preseason number one in Ken Palm. They vastly underachieved, but now it seems like maybe they're getting hot at the right time. And in a season that feels like it's completely wide open, is it crazy to take a look at some Kentucky futures right now? No, I mean, from a talent standpoint, you know, there's a lot to like about this team. And, and Calipari is obviously a guy, despite what the fan base said you know, a little bit ago. Calipari is still a guy that's done very, very well, you know, throughout his career and handling a lot of talent and kind of doing the Tom Izzo thing where you know, he has a lot of roster turnover, usually not necessarily the case with this year's team, but by the month of March, they're good to go. You know, they're just kind of ready and they're in form. And maybe a team like Kentucky is that kind of team where you know, they do seem to really have things going in the right direction. And, you know, another team that's got a lot of talent that seems to have really figured it out here is Memphis. You know, same thing. No, not maybe the coaching resume for Penny Hardaway, but there's a ton of talent on that roster. And since mid-January, they have an overtime loss to Tulane, and they lost to Houston by eight on the road, which, I mean, Houston is, you know, just statistically probably the most dominant team in the country. But you see the teams, the Blue Bloods, kind of do that at this time of the year. And to your point, you know, I don't know if there's value left on Kentucky necessarily, but you know that's a team that's kind of rounding into form that sort of has that pedigree, and maybe those are the kinds of teams that we need to look at here be just because of what's happening at the top of college basketball. I mean, Kentucky right now at DraftKings is 11-1 to 1 to make the Final Four and to win the national championship at DraftKings sitting at 45-1. to 1. So, look, you know, and, and as we'll get into it and the bracket comes out, Adam – 
you and I will discuss it you know, at, at length, whether it makes sense to do a futures on winning a region or just do the old money line rollover. Um, you know, Kentucky at 11 to one to, to make a run to the final four. It's not crazy to me. I mean, thinking about with the talent that they have and, and you can argue, let's say they're a six seed. There's a good chance that they'll have more talent on the floor all the way through to at least the elite eight, maybe even to the final four. So, you know, certainly something to keep in mind. And I think, you know, keep an eye on teams getting hot at the right time. And and for a year that we continue to talk about, you know, who's getting hot. uh, It's so wide open. One other team I want to hit on maybe before we transition to uh, a couple games on Tuesday and Wednesday, and then a big picture look at uh, these smaller uh, conference tournaments that have got underway. And if there's any, you know, value in the futures market is I think we got to talk about Gonzaga. I mean, this is a team that a lot of people, uh, and I probably at one point said time said, Hey, this is not your, your typical Gonzaga team, but right now fresh off of a really thorough beatdown of St. Mary's over the weekend where they close as a five and a half, six point favorite. And they cover that. This Gonzaga team, yes, their defense is not very good, which certainly has to be a massive concern, but they're the best offense in the country at adjusted offensive efficiency. They seem to be getting hot at the right time. Yes, they don't have a lottery pick in Jalen Suggs or a Chet Holmgren or a Zach Collins, but this is a team that it it seems like, Adam, they're kind of rounding into form. And, you know, that performance on Saturday night at the Kennel, I expected it to be a revenge spot. Um, but I was really impressed by, by what we saw. And obviously, you know, we all hope that come next Tuesday night, we get another St. Mary's Gonzaga showdown here in Las Vegas at the Orleans. But what do you make of this Gonzaga team right now? Who massive deficiencies offensively 88th and adjusted offensive efficient, uh, on defensive efficiency, excuse me, you know, two night, two seventy five and, uh, effective field goal percentage in the country. I mean, their defensive metrics stink. However, the offense is phenomenal. Can you believe in this Gonzaga team, or is this another case of they're just fattening up on inferior competition in the Western uh, in the WCC? Well, before we get to their tournament chances, I want to ask, um, speaking of inferior competition, can I interest you in Chicago State getting like 30-plus <laughs> on Wednesday night against Gonzaga? Maybe a first half? I don't. I have no idea. What, I mean, what if we took like eighteen in the first half with Chicago State? This is, by the way, yeah. I, I was looking at their schedule the other day, and I'm like, what the hell is going on? They Gonzaga's playing Chicago State at the end. By the way, Chicago State, ladies and gentlemen, you know, winners of six out of seven. Even though I think they played Hartford twice in there, a team who will be a Division three basketball program next year. Um, but they covered against Stanford. Um, that might be the most amazingly random college basketball game ever. March 1st, the Zags playing Chicago State at the Kennel, fresh off of what was a ridiculous atmosphere on Saturday night where they were so juiced up. Let me ask you this. I don't know if you caught it. You may not know the answer to this. Did they do the senior day celebration there for Drew Timmy and all of that on Saturday, or are they going to hold it for the Chicago State game? I really <laughs> hope they held it back for Chicago State. That would, that be, would be the only reason they would have juice for this game. I, I got to. All right. I Right now, I will make a podcast promise. I am taking Chicago State in the first. Uh, what's a better bet? First half Chicago State or full game? Because if you do full game – Maybe they just sub out Drew Timmy and everyone and they just cruise into the to finish line. So maybe full game would be the better way to go, catching like 36 or something like that. I have no idea. I I give you credit though. If you put your money where your mouth game. is in that game. I, I have to bet this game. I will I, I promise I you, you I will bet this game. I don't know how I'm going to bet it. I gotta figure out what makes more sense, full game or half first half. I'm thinking full game might make more sense because if you're Mark Few, you do not want Drew Timmy or um you know Julian Strother 
or a receiver bowl. You don't want any of these dudes out there in the second half, especially because you're headed to Las Vegas on what I would imagine Friday, you know, for, for a weekend. And, uh, um, so I, I, the beauty the beauty of a podcast is that you can kind of go on tangents and i am a, a stickler for conference tournaments especially one bid leagues which we can get to here momentarily and maybe uh and maybe we can uh steven can send this clip to me because i i will give you my my yearly rant on conference tournaments especially for one bid leagues but the west coast conference to an extent does it right where i know like uh i keep see keep people tweeting out the uh, the bracket for the West Coast Conference tournament and you know adding sickos basketball college basketball this is what you're supposed to do the regular season has to matter Adam and when you're a conference now the West Coast Conference isn't a one bid league both St Mary's and Gonzaga are locks to get in but if you suck during the regular season you shouldn't be on the same playing field as the teams that excel and we'll get to you know the Summit League a little bit later. But for Gonzaga and St. Mary's to get what essentially is like a quadruple buy to the semifinals, I'm totally fine with that because over the year where they played 18 conference games, or 16, I guess, they proved that they're the best teams and they deserve to be have the rigged field for this conference tournament. So I'll get to the full rant later. That's a little uh, appetizer. But the WCC, in my opinion, does it right. Yeah, I mean, I, I have my own idea, which we can get to a little bit later on in the show. But uh, also, Chicago State plays Fresno State on Saturday. So <laughs> Fresno State wants a uh, controlled scrimmage, I guess, before the Mountain West Conference Tournament, where I don't think they'll last long. Maybe Chicago State will come to Vegas and just, I mean, apparently the theme is Gonzaga and Fresno State, before they come to Vegas, need a tune-up against Chicago State. Who, by the way, if you're wondering... Who would be favored on a neutral, Chicago State or Louisville? And I'm pretty sure it would be Chicago State. Well, I mean, look, Chicago State got a trip to Vegas last year because they were in the whack, and they played Utah Valley and lost by 22 in the first round and went right on back home. Does um, Chicago State have a better Ken Palm ranking than Louisville? Your answer, yes, they do. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, that says a lot about what happened to Louisville this year. I. Yes, I would say, um, <laughs> man, I, how have we, it's conference tournament week. We're less than two weeks away from selection Sunday. We've spent a good five or six minutes talking about Chicago state, that is which true. is fantastic. We yeah. We, need we, to get, we have good we need range. Get, we need to get podcast. back on. We need to get back on track here. Uh, I don't even know. I don't even know how we, Oh, we were talking about Gonzaga and then we brought up Chicago state. So real quickly, I, I, thought, it to sum it up. I, I so, thought it was a typo. I thought it was a typo. To sum it, to sum it up, uh, do you believe in Gonzaga? I mean, I see no reason not to. I, I Obviously, look, I mean, you know, when you talk about Gonzaga, you're talking about a team that more often than not during Mark Few's tenure has been top 25 in both adjusted offensive and defensive efficiency. And as you mentioned, this year they're not. They are a team that has struggled defensively. And I'll say this. I mean, as a whole, the West Coast Conference is better, and it's gotten better over the last few years. Are these boy teams Kim on Gonzaga's Shelton, level? I mean, are these teams on Gonzaga's level? No, not necessarily. But this conference has gotten much, much better offensively. I mean, Santa Clara is a team that takes a lot of really smart shots. Loyola Marymount's fine. BYU is good. San Francisco, it's a transitional year for them since Todd Golden's at Florida. But even teams like Pacific and Portland can score a little bit. They just can't defend. So I, I don't know if I want to read too much into it. And the thing for Gonzaga, too, is, I mean, they're pretty smart. They play at one of the faster tempos in the country. They're a top 50 team in adjusted tempo. If they need to outscore teams in the NCAA tournament, they can. And that's what they'll look to do. So am I like buying stock in them from, from a future standpoint? No, but I think that they're plenty well capable of making a deep run. I, I just want to point out something uh, real quick. Um, you know, everyone always, you know, scoffs at Gonzaga. Oh, they haven't done anything. I mean, I mean, they've been to two national championship games. No, no big deal. Um, do you realize, and you probably do. I just, Gonzaga hasn't lost in the first round of the NCAA tournament since 2008. I mean, 
I think Kansas is the only other team that can say that. They have not lost in the first round of the they've made it every year and they haven't lost in the first round since 2008. So all this crap about oh you know they never big win the big one. They've gone to the national championship in five or two of the last five NCAA tournaments. So just spare me with your they're not tested crap, okay? Like they've been tested plenty. They've proved it and you know they're borderline blue blood at this point. I mean, what they do year in and year out uh, out there in Spokane. Yeah, they they don't play in a great conference. Yeah, well, the ACC isn't a great conference this year. So um, I don't know. It, it's just, it, it it's so silly to me. And I, I really do hope one day, Adam, that Gonzaga finally gets to the mountaintop of winning a national championship. I mean, and who knows, if it's not a quick whistle against North Carolina a couple of years ago and Zach Collins doesn't get two fouls in two minutes, maybe they win that game. I don't know. Um, but I, I just, that, that I, I don't know what they'll be this year. They, you know, they can make a run to Houston and they could also get knocked out in the second round. And I think you could pretty much say that about anybody, um, you know, out there. Who, who in your mind is a team that, it, you would be absolutely stunned if they didn't make it to the second round of the NCAA tournament. Well, one thing I'll say about Gonzaga real quick is, you know, I mean, last year running into Memphis in that eight, nine game, that game was I awesome, mean, by the way. <clears throat> oh, that game was fantastic. But I mean, the committee screwed them over big time. And then they run into Arkansas, a team that last year's Arkansas team was really, really good. Very, very good. So I'm not really surprised that Gonzaga struggled with them. A team I'd be shocked if they lost in the first round. Is that what you said? Yeah, yeah. No, no. I mean, first week, first weekend. No, like first weekend. doesn't make it to the Sweet 16. Because I think you can make an argument, Adam, that just so many teams out there, I could see them in the Final Four, and I could see them getting upset. I guess Houston would surprise me if they got knocked out in the first weekend. I would be pretty surprised. Look, if Houston doesn't make it to the Final Four, it's hard to make it to the Final Four. But if they got knocked out by an eight or nine, uh, with that defense and and just that kind of how old that team is, and you're looking at eight nine, I mean, an eight team would be like an Iowa. Can Iowa beat Houston? I mean, Temple beat Houston, so I guess anything's possible. You know what's going to be really interesting is, <clears throat> excuse me, UCLA. So yeah. I think UCLA is really, really good, but in probably a two seven game for them on the first weekend right now, you mentioned bracket matrix, the seven Kentucky. seeds are Kentucky, Duke, Illinois, and Michigan state. I mean, those are <laughs> pretty, those are some pretty serious heavy hitters that maybe they're not having the greatest of seasons, but UCLA is going to run into a really tough second game. I think I'd be surprised if they didn't advance. Because, uh, I mean, they're just – look at them. I mean, their turnover percentage margin, turnover percentage difference, they're 9%. 24.3% turnover percentage on defense, 15.3% on offense. That's a team built for a deep run. I'd be shocked if they didn't get through the first weekend. Man, Kentucky, though, man, if you're sitting there, it's like it's like when Wichita State – you talk about getting screwed. Remember the Wichita State team that was undefeated and had to play Kentucky in the second round? Like, somebody's going to draw Kentucky. And yep. someone's going to draw Duke and Duke could very well lose that game, but I mean, they still have, I mean, that's the crazy thing about Kentucky and Duke is they got, they got pros on their team, man. And, you know, uh, I mean, I, I feel like if you're, if you're UCLA and this is no knock to Chris Collins's squad, who's had a phenomenal year, but man, you'd much rather see Northwestern in the second round than Kentucky or Duke. Right. Yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, and and that's the weird thing about this year. I mean, you know, Purdue's even, been good even in the Arkansas, past. right? Like, I mean, they got they got a dude who could be the top five pick in the draft and Nick Smith. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I mean, that's the thing that's weird about this year is when you're kind of looking here, like you're looking at teams like Kansas State and Marquette on the three line, you know, a Yukon on the four line, and then you've got all these traditional powers in the seven you know, in the seven seed range yeah so I, I filling out a bracket this year is going to be fascinating i think well and and you know to your point 
Um, you know, Kansas State right now is a three. Um, you know, Virginia's a four. Uh, Virginia's going to be an underdog almost assuredly in the four or five matchup. Uh, and I'm looking at, you know, Kansas State. Kansas State, if they play, I mean, if Kansas State plays Kentucky or Creighton, I mean, they're going to be an underdog in that spot, too. So, yeah, it's going to be really interesting. All right, before we get to uh, conference tournaments, Tuesday's slate is decent. Um, There's a game that kind of jumps out to me here. Um, That all being said, I also had Oklahoma State for a second time in three days and lost for a second time in three days. So maybe maybe I'm not feeling so hot here. But um, taking a look at the board on on uh, on Wednesday your notable or Tuesday excuse me your notable top 25 matchups Clemson coming off a a dominating victory over NC State they get Virginia who really has been playing as poorly as it gets these last uh, four four games including a loss against UNC as they pick up their first quad one win Marquette with a win can uh, lock up the number one seed in the Big East tournament outright regular season championship for the first time in school history uh, they're up to number six in the polls, which is just wild. Uh, Iowa, Indiana. <laughs> uh, anyone out there have Iowa? I did on Saturday. I turned that game off. I thought it was over. And then Indiana, what an impressive performance to go to Mackey and win that game. Texas Tech at Kansas, Arkansas, Tennessee, San Diego State, Boise State, and uh, Texas A&M Ole Miss. Those are your top 25 matchups. So take a look at the board, which is a, a pretty decent-sized board uh, on Tuesday Adam, uh, anything jump out to you in uh, in an interest level? Yeah, a couple of games kind of intrigue me a little bit. I'm I don't think I can bet Nebraska, but you know for <laughs> for what Michigan State's gone through over the last week or so, they get the very emotional yeah. home game against Indiana where they play really well. Then they play that one twelve one oh six overtime game against Iowa. I have a real hard time laying a road number with Sparty in that one. I think that's a really, really difficult ask of them. And the other one that's really interesting to me coming out of the SEC is Texas A&M and Ole Miss. Mm -hmm. So Texas A&M, as we had talked about on this show, just sailing right along. You know, since the new year, a top five team, according to Torvik, they finally had a flat game. And then they lost to Mississippi State on Saturday by seven. A Mississippi State team that's fine. They're getting better as the season goes along. Chris Jan's a really good head coach. But not a real great look there for Texas A&M. But then Ole Miss, they rally after firing Kermit Davis. They blow out LSU at home by 13. I think LSU is just really bad. I think Matt McMahon's having a really tough first year there with the Tigers for a variety of different reasons. I kind of look at this game and feel like Texas A&M is the side. Obviously, you're laying a little bit of a road number as their five-point favorite. But it really makes me wonder if that was just a one-game blip for Ole Miss coming off the firing or if maybe Kermit Davis was the problem. But I think that's a really tricky little handicap there. So the game that that jumps at me from a situational aspect is this San Diego State Boise State game. Um, I was on San Jose State on Saturday. I thought Boise was in a really tricky spot, uh, just kind of that classic sandwich spot that we talk about, uh, especially in college football. And San Jose State battles back, wins in overtime, and now I, I want to get on on the Broncos side here. San Diego State has been phenomenal. Um, you look at you know, the metrics in the month of February, um, they are, they've won six in a row, haven't lost this month. And they are the number two team in the country since February 1st, based, uh, according to Bart Torvik's, uh, metrics, which is, which is telling you something. I mean, I'll, I'll give you the, the top five in the country this month, according to Bart Torvik, Houston, San Diego state, Gonzaga, UCLA, Alabama, that's your top five. So there you have San Diego state. And, you know, coming off of the buzzer-beating victory uh, on the road at the pit against New Mexico, quick pretty turn, uh, quick turnaround here uh, for San Diego State. And then, you know, you, you go into the where are these teams on the bubble. Boise State in 
but not certainly secure. Uh, they're sitting at like a 10 line, some 11s. Uh, according to Bart Torvik, or excuse me, according to a bracket matrix, they're the last 10 seed right now uh, in the NCAA tournament, meaning they're hovering around, um, you know, Dayton territory. So I just think this is a massive spot, your, your typical letdown spot. And as we like to say, the key buzzword, revenge. They got their ass kicked, Boise State did, when they went to Viejas in early February. They lost by 20 in that game. So I think this spot for Boise State is, is pretty important. It's the last home game of the regular season. They finish up the season on the road at Logan uh, against Utah State. So uh, I think you got to back the Broncos here as a, I think, one-point favorite here on Tuesday night. I just I love the situational spot. San Diego State is tremendous, but – uh, getting this in Boise, fresh off the the thrilling, you know, game-winning three, uh, courtesy of, of San Diego State. So I think I'm going to roll with Boise State in this spot. Yeah, there were a couple of games I was kind of looking at here. Um, I don't know if I can lay this big of a number with Akron, but Ball State, so I was on Ball State on Saturday, and they were laying seven and a half against Eastern Michigan, and they lost by seven, which is, you know, always a good bet. Those always make you feel really, really good. But they are a severely banged up team. And I just saw this kind of making the rounds on social media here today on Monday about how banged up they are. And this is a team that doesn't really use the bench a whole lot. And now they go to Akron and the game is largely meaningless for them. They're already locked into the four seed pretty much. They could move up to the three if they beat Akron and kind of go through the tiebreakers and all that. But this game doesn't really mean a whole lot to them. And you kind of run into that at this time of the year where teams are just sort of gearing up for their one shot, especially in these one bid leagues. And I think that's a situation for Ball State here on Tuesday night. The concern I have is Akron plays at a pretty slow tempo. So I don't know if they can win this game comfortably by margin to cover what's up to eight and a half now. But try to keep an eye out for that. Reading the beat writers, trying to get a feel for where these teams are because for some teams, the seeding is just kind of irrelevant for the conference tournament. There's no advantage. You don't get the double buy, triple buy, whatever the case may be. You just want to be healthy for your one shot, your one opportunity in that conference tournament. So it seems like maybe Ball State has fallen into that, and maybe I missed that over the weekend. So that's something you, you can try to keep an eye on as, as we wrap up the regular season here. Yeah, we got some uh... – Conference tournament games, uh, some more A-Sun action. Uh, Queens against Kennesaw State and Bellarmine against Liberty. Lipscomb, Stetson, North Alabama, Eastern Kentucky. The Patriot League tournament starts tomorrow. Bucknell, American U, Holy Cross, and Loyola Marymount. All right, time for my rant on conference tournaments. So when you're a one-bid league, which there are so many of, whether you be the SOCON or the MAC, the MAAC, whether you're the regular MAC, you're a one-bid league. Southland, Sunbelt. And I get it, man. It's all about the almighty dollar. But do you know where you make a lot of money, Adam? You make a lot of money when you win multiple NCAA tournament games. You get an extra check. The whole league gets it. And there are four, four conferences that reward the highest ranked team by giving them the right to host the conference championship game. The America East, the Atlantic Sun, the Northeast Conference, and the Patriot League. All the other conferences play at a neutral site. And let's take the Summit League, for instance. The Summit League, for those who do not know, is championed by Oral Roberts, who right now would be a 12 seed in the NCAA tournament. But guess what? They won't be if they don't win three games in four days in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. They won't be a 12 seed. They'll be in the NIT. I don't understand why so many conferences don't reward 
two months worth of hard work. But Tim, they seed these. Yeah, they do. But that's what we know about tournaments. It's built for upsets. The Patriot League historically almost has no upsets. You know why? Because all their games are played on campus sites. And Colgate, who's a pretty darn good team and covered against Wisconsin last year in the NCAA tournament, won their championship on their home floor in Hamilton, New York, with their fans there. But yet you look at a conference like the MEAC, who's going to play in front of nobody in Norfolk, Virginia, and it's just not fair to teams that win their conference champ- uh, regular season. You bust your ass for two months. You're the best team. You're Oral Roberts. You're 18-0 and in conference play, and now you've got to go to the Dakotas where you've got to play the likes of, I don't know, a South Dakota or a North Dakota State. It just it doesn't make sense to me that you go to these environments that are basically like the preseason games you see in Puerto Rico in late November. How often, Adam, do we see a great atmosphere at the Patriot League or, you know, an 11 a.m. Eastern tip time at Vermont where you see the Catamounts taking on UMass Lowell, and that's going to be a great environment, and it rewards the best team. And if UMass Lowell or Bryant goes into Vermont, on that Saturday morning and wins, more power to you. You deserve it. It's just crazy to me that these one-bid leagues don't reward hard work and winning for two months. Why should there be almost an even playing field between the best teams and the teams that prove they aren't? And then we go and play three games in three days, and you could have someone twist their ankle and completely screw the better team. It just makes no sense to me. Yeah, I I can't disagree with any of that. I very much agree with you that, you know, I mean, it's not like the Big Ten or the SEC. Multiple bid leagues, right? Right, multiple bid leagues, and fans will travel. Fans will go to that destination. I mean, the SEC tournament in Nashville, who wouldn't want to go to Nashville? Sure. Mountain West in Vegas, who wouldn't want to go there? You know, are, are people really lining up to go to Evansville, Indiana? Probably not. So... You know, that that is something I think is, is a very fair point to make, especially because, as you said, you, know, you want to reward the top team. My idea for conference tournaments is you play the conference tournament. The winner of the conference tournament plays the regular season champion for the automatic bid. So if it's the same team, like if Oral Roberts won the Summit League tournament, they also won the regular season. Cool. Have fun. Go to the big dance. But if... South Dakota State wins the Summit League tournament. Even if they beat Oral Roberts in the championship game, they should have to play them again. The regular season champs should get a second shot if they don't win the conference tournament for exactly the reason that you mentioned. If you were the best team for two, two and a half months and in a one-and-done format, you slip up, You know, then you get, what, a South Dakota State going to the tournament as a 14 seed getting throttled by Gonzaga or something like that. I mean, at least Oral Roberts is going to give you a game, probably. So, yeah, I, I tend to agree. I think, you know, we should have more, um, you know, not neutral side. By the way, bowl games should probably be that way, too, not to go off on another tangent. But, <laughs> um, yeah, should be campus sites for the one-bid leagues. And I think the regular season champs should get a second shot if they don't win the conference tournament. Well, and, and, and you know, lastly, look, I've been to the Northeast Conference Championship before. It's a, it's a one-bid league. They usually go to Dayton. You know, and, you know, I went to Mount St. Mary's where they beat, I think it was St. Francis. It doesn't matter. They beat St. Francis or whatever. It's irrelevant. But the crowd was great, you know, and we see the Patriot League. We see the uh, the A-Sun, for instance. You know, that, that tournament's going on now. Uh, you know, Liberty is a team that is an odds-on favorite. We can get to those odds here. But guess what? They're going to be on the road for the championship game if chalk holds. Now, the way that it plays out, if uh, Kennesaw State gets upset, then it would go to Liberty and their campus site. So, you know, I get it. You want that, you know, um, you want that feel of a tournament. Yeah, that's great for the Big East, right, at Madison Square Garden or the Big 12 in Kansas City or, 
you know, the ACC in Greensboro. But, you know, for the for the MAC with a, one A or two A's, like you know the MAC very well. Nobody goes to Cleveland for that 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 tournament. It's it's an empty gymnasium. It's an empty arena. You know, it's just it's wild to me that we keep doing this. And for these conferences that, you know, really could utilize the money that you earn for winning NCAA tournament games and you don't rig the field for your best team. I'm all for conference tournaments. I want all these conference championships to be on ESPN and and for these conferences to be seen. And it's great. I'm not saying get rid of conference tournaments, but I mean, honestly, man. I wouldn't be opposed to the one seed like an Oral Roberts in the Summit League who's 18 and 0. They've got to win as many games as the two seed, the three seed, the four seed, the five seed, and the six seed. How does that make sense? In South Dakota. So you could, I mean, there's a chance Oral Roberts could play North Dakota and then they could play South Dakota, South Dakota State, or North Dakota State in a Dakota. It just, what? How is that advantageous to the best team in a conference that maybe the best team I think that's ever gone through the Summit League? Well, I'll say this about the MAC. I mean, the, the one nice thing about the MAC is that typically all of the Ohio teams are pretty decent for the most part, especially Akron and Kent State specifically. You have you know a lot of alumni that stay in the area, but those are all pretty decent sized universities. You, know, you think about the big South where, you know, they're going to go play in Charlotte at Bojangles Coliseum, or you think about the Ohio Valley where they're going to go play in Evansville, like half the teams in the Ohio Valley are in Tennessee. The Ohio Valley at least used to be, you know, in Nashville, right? When Belmont would more often than not always play in that game. Right. Yeah. So, it's just, I mean, I those know. are all smaller schools with smaller enrollment and, and then you also run into a scenario where, you know, in some of these neutral site tournaments or, you know, like the Summit League, for example, we'll say, right? I mean, it's technically not a home tournament for South Dakota State or South Dakota. And South Dakota State's good pretty much annually. So, you know, maybe this is a bad argument. But, like, for a South Dakota, they're a six seed and they have a quasi home court advantage because they just don't have to leave the state. So that's another problem that I have with it. Yeah, it, it's it it doesn't make sense to me. Never has made sense to me. And you know, you should be rigging the field for the team that won the regular season. I, I'm not opposed to your angle too, where it's like, hey, you beat me once, all right, beat me again because I I earned the right to be the one seed. So all right, let's get to it. Uh, there are plenty of of these conference tournaments, and and I'm curious uh, if you've taken a gander or fired on any of these futures. I'll just run through them real quickly and uh, and then we can kind of circle back to them. So uh, over at DraftKings, I'm looking at their odds right now. Uh, Patriot League, Colgate, overwhelming favorite. This is a home court tournament, uh, one of the just four. Uh, Colgate minus 240. Navy is the two seed. They're sitting at three to one and the odds get very long after that. The Sun Belt seems to be wide open. Marshall at two to one. Uh, Louisiana Lafayette at uh, plus 360, James Madison at plus 380, Southern Miss at plus 450. If you're wondering uh, where this conference tournament will be played, the Sun Belt uh, will be played in Pensacola, Florida. Uh, so keep that in mind. You know how many Sun Belt teams are located in Florida? Uh, zero? Zero. <laughs> more, more things that make sense. Uh, the Atlantic Sun Tournament. This is conference. This is uh, campus sites. Kennesaw State is your one seed, but Liberty is your odds-on favorite at minus two thirty. Kennesaw State at three to one. Then significant drop off after that. The Horizon League campus sites until the semifinals, and then they go to Indianapolis, uh, where they play in the uh, what is it the Field House there in Indianapolis. Uh, Youngstown State, your favorite. Never been to the NCAA tournament. Plus one seventy. Northern Kentucky four to one, Cleveland State four to one, Wright State plus six fifty, and Mil Milwaukee, which is Algonquin for the Goodlands, ten to one, and uh, Detroit eighteen to one. Antoine Davis uh, sixty three points away from becoming the NCAA all time leader in points. The Big South, this I mean, for the love of God, why 
Why is the Big South not on campus sites? How many people are going to, as you mentioned, Bojangles Coliseum to see Longwood and Radford play? But I digress. Uh, Longwood plus 240, UNC Asheville plus 260, Radford four to one, Gardner Webb at five to one. The Ohio Valley, Moorhead State plus 140, Tennessee Tech plus 380. Arch Madness, Drake and Bradley, they just played. Bradley won. Drake is the favorite, plus 135. Bradley at plus 190. West Coast Conference Tournament, Gonzaga and St. Mary's get the quadruple bye to the semifinals. Minus 115 for the Zags, minus 105 for St. Mary's. How about the SoCon? Hey, way to uh, way to really uh, give a good hand to Furman winning the conference title regular season for the first time since 1991. Ship them off to Asheville, North Carolina. Furman plus 120. UNC Greensboro plus 250, Samford 4-1. to one. Summit League, we mentioned it a bunch. Oral Roberts, your odds-on favorite, minus 180. But this is, once again, a neutral site in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Oral Roberts, for those who don't know, is located in Tulsa, Oklahoma. South Dakota State 4-1, to one. North Dakota State plus 750. The Tommies from St. Thomas, 8-1. to one. So uh, a lot of numbers I just threw out there. Adam, you digest it. Fire them away uh, if there's anything worth a bet, in your opinion. Well, I think you missed the Ohio Valley, which uh, I ran through it quickly. Is, that conference is pathetic now with all the teams <laughs> that they lost. Um, no more Belmont. No more. Uh, I used Murray to love. State. I used to love watching the OVC championship. It's the first uh, mm-hmm. ticket punched. Yeah, yeah, and it was. I mean, when you got a Belmont and a Murray State or somebody like that, I mean, that was a damn great. great game. Yeah, you are uh, you are not getting that this year. Um, all right, so kind of run through some of these here that you you mentioned. Uh, so the Sun Belt, I'm glad it's just in one spot, even if it's in a spot that makes absolutely no sense. Because a couple of years ago, they were playing games on two different courts, and one was like up and down, everyone's making shots, and the other one was like nobody could throw the ball in the ocean. So that was really fun to try and handicap. But at least now uh, they're all in one place. Yeah, the Sun Belt's actually a really good conference. You got five teams in the top 110, according to Bart Torvik, with Marshall at the top. Louisiana Lafayette is second, South Alabama third, Southern Miss fourth, James Madison fifth. There are some teams here that are pretty good offensively, some teams that are just awful offensively. Marshall's kind of the you know poster child for being a good offense, and they are the second best offense in this conference. I kind of like Southern Miss a little bit, even though they were – Picked to finish, I think, like 13th or something like that in this conference. They actually won, I believe, the regular season conference title. So I I do like this Southern Miss team a lot. They play good defense. They get to the rim. A lot of teams get to the rim in this league, and the teams that do are really good. You know, James Madison gets to the rim a lot. Louisiana gets to the rim a lot, and it helps. So especially that's something you really want to look at in these conference tournaments. It's tough to rely on jump shot teams when they're playing in neutral sites that they play in once a year or maybe haven't played in at all if you have a conference tournament in a new venue. So I really try to prioritize teams that get to the rim. And a lot of times you'll see if it's a new venue, you'll see unders get blindly bet in that first round. And then maybe things adjust after that. But, you know, a lot of totals opportunities uh, in conference tournaments because of the neutral sites. But I, I do like Southern Miss in that one, I think, a little bit. Um, I don't know if plus 450 is a great price. More often than not, the money line rollover is going to be better in most of these. Um, I want to mention the Horizon League real quick here because this is one where seeding wound up being really, really important. So Milwaukee is the two seed in this conference, but they're 10 to 1. They're the fifth choice on the board. So for Youngstown State, they're probably going to play Detroit in the first game, which can be a concern because both of those teams are really good on offense and really bad on defense. So that could be a high variance game for the favorite Youngstown state. I still think they win this conference tournament, but that game scares the hell out of me because after that they play probably Northern Kentucky who essentially plays a zone defense and tries to turn you over like crazy. So they're going to play two dramatically different teams before even getting to the championship game. So that's one where the seeding actually hurt the number one seed because they get Detroit and then probably Northern Kentucky, as opposed to a Cleveland State who did lose to Milwaukee twice. But Milwaukee is just 
not a great team, as the odds imply. So that's another strategy for conference tournaments that you really want to focus in on. If you've got a dominant number one seed, you probably want to stay away from them when betting a future and hope that something weird happens or you've got a good price going into the final game, something like that. Or if you have a weak number one, you try to attack them with a four or five seed, something like that. So there's a lot of different ways you can play these futures markets. Uh, Again, Moneyline Rollover is typically the best option. But in a conference like the Horizon League, I think Youngstown State still wins it because they're the best team. But I could see myself looking at a Cleveland State just because their path to the final, I think, is easier than Youngstown State's. So I'm glad you brought up the Horizon League. It's important if you're looking to bet these conference tournaments. This seems elementary, but people might not look at all the brackets and the intricacies of these brackets. So the Horizon League wisely rewards the one seed with the lowest seed. So you've got 6-11, Now, if chalk prevails, like you alluded to, Youngstown State would play Detroit, who's the eight seed and has a potential pro in Antoine Davis, who very well could be the all-time leading scorer in NCAA history when that was all said and done. But if a Green Bay or an IUPUI pulls off an upset, then Youngstown State would indeed play those two particular teams. And that might be a way to look at a team like Detroit, um, maybe in the futures market. However, I would have loved a, a, a Detroit future at like a crazy long odd, but uh, there's a reason that, you know, odds makers do what they do and they're not going to let you, you know, take the best player in the conference who's Antoine Davis and get him at a, at a discounted price. So 18 to one to me is way too short to take a team in Detroit that has to, you know, run the table like they would, but look at every bracket, just, just do yourself that know where every tournament's being played, you know, and once again, the horizon league first round is Tuesday campus sites. They go Thursday campus sites, and then they reconvene on Monday, next Monday. And that's where it will be at the uh, farmer's Coliseum in Indianapolis. So it's not a neutral site until the semifinals. Some conferences are like that. So look at every bracket, you know, know the intricacies and where teams are playing. Is it always going to be a neutral site? Because if it's always a neutral site, i.e. the MAC or the MEAC, whatever, then you might look at, you know, those longer shots, right? Because there is no home court advantage for the Horizon League. There's actually home court leading into the semifinals. So that could be much more of a challenge for a Detroit to make the run when they have to go on the road to Youngstown state or Milwaukee or whatever it may be. Yeah, absolutely. That's definitely an excellent point. And, and something else too, that you can look at. And I, we mentioned Bart all the time. It's a really phenomenal resource. So you look at a conference like the SoCon, for example, you know, you got a team like Chattanooga, they shoot a three 52.5% of the time. And they're playing in a neutral setting here. Yeah. And I know people are going to look at it and say, oh, well, you know, Chattanooga won the conference tournament last year. They did, but that was with a different coach. That was a different team, completely different team for the most part. Uh, this year, I mean, they're a team that went below 500 in conference play. But last year, their three-point rate was 38.7%. They got to the rim more. They're great at defending the three, too. But that's a team that now is just chucking from wherever the hell they want to. You know, Furman is a team, they're plus 120 to win this conference tournament. They shoot a three over 46% of the time. So that's a team that would kind of scare me a little bit. If you're really relying on jump shots and you're playing in, I don't know what this, you know, venue seats, uh, Harris Cherokee center, but you know, it, it seats looks like about, I don't know, 8,000 people or so like you may have uh, 1200 people for, you know, the first round and the quarterfinals or maybe even the semifinal game, depending on who gets in it. So you may run into a scenario where you're playing in basically an empty building. You're a jump shooting team. Everything's going to look different. All the backdrops are going to be different and all that. I shy away from teams like that. I'd rather have teams that get to the rim a lot. So like a team like Wofford, for example, they're 19 to one. It's not the greatest of draws for them, certainly. Um, But Still, I mean, to me, they're a team that at least they get to the rim. At least they're going to take high percentage shots where the venue doesn't matter. So 
money line rollover would be better on them too. But just as it, as one glaring example, because this is a conference where teams just kind of like to run the floor and chuck threes, like the more controlled, higher percentage shot attempt teams are teams that I try to take a look at in these tournaments. Yeah, it can be high variance. Chattanooga might shoot 45% from three and somehow find a way to win this thing. That can happen. But that's a lower percentile outcome than a team that gets to the rim, you know, having success in a tournament like this. All right. Before we wrap up here, uh, any bets you want to make? Uh, I'll say this. Um, Colgate right now at DraftKings is minus 240. I would be stunned if they don't win this conference. The Patriot League is not very strong this year. Uh, you look at Ken Palm ratings. Uh, Colgate is currently number 117. Navy is the next at 177. And then it takes a massive drop to Lehigh at 282. Uh, Colgate just beat Navy in Annapolis. Uh, when those two teams played in Annapolis, granted it was or in uh, Hamilton, it was way back in January, uh, and they won that game comfortably. Uh, this is a really, really good offensive team, always is in Colgate. So the way I might attack this, and you know, if if there are books that let you do this, I might pair Colgate with an Oral Roberts to uh, to make it some plus money uh, for those two to win their respective conferences. I did a couple things like this last year, so that might be a way I look in these early conference tournaments. Um, but you know, for the most part. I'm not going to roll with many, uh, many favorites here. And I think, you know, you look at the West coast conference, Adam Gonzaga, St. Mary's, those two, those two teams are going to play each other in the championship. I would be stunned if they don't. So if you like Gonzaga, it was what minus five at the kennel. It was plus three and a half and Moraga. It's probably going to be around a pick, maybe a slight lean towards Gonzaga, I, I wouldn't waste your time laying a dollar fifteen with Gonzaga or minus one hundred five with St. Mary's. Just wait until those two teams play. That would be the way uh, I would roll. But any uh, any bets worth uh, worth looking at? Any long shots? I I'll be honest. I would look at a team like Detroit, but you know I feel like the odds are suppressed because of Antoine Davis. So I'm gonna I'll pass on that one. One thing I want to mention real quick when we talk about a money line rollover. So let's just say we'll keep the math easy right let's just say that a team is plus 200 in their first game right so you bet 100 to win 200 right if that bet wins then you have 300 so then you would put all of that 300 on the next game let's say they're plus 400 something like that so you'd have 300 to win 1200 and then if you win then you put all 1500 on the next one so that's how you do a money line rollover and you can bet less if you want to but the idea is you kind of start with a position and just roll it all over. And generally speaking, because look, for a team to win the conference tournament, they can't lose, right? Yep. So it's a different way of betting a future. But generally speaking, where you're going to get more equity on your investment, like I don't know what the number is for um, Detroit and Purdue Fort Wayne tomorrow. But I mean, I assume they're probably a small favorite in that game, I would say, maybe a couple point favorite. So you would take Detroit on the money line. Roll that over. If chalk holds up, they'll be a decent-sized dog at Youngstown State, the number one seed. If they win that game, then they'll probably end up playing, I don't know, maybe a Milwaukee, uh, maybe Cleveland State, something like that. So you would just roll over everything, and then that's how you would keep doing it with Detroit. And instead of 18 or 19 to 1, you probably end up, at, when all is said and done, just roughly thinking in my head, 25, 26 to 1, something like that. So – that's why the money line rollover is more lucrative. And also, if they run into a bad draw, you know how you hedge a money line rollover? You stop betting it. You don't have to bet the other side. You just stop betting it. So that's something that you can take a look at uh, with a lot of these conferences. But a few things I looked at here, um, I think three to one on Kennesaw State's actually pretty good in the A-Sun here. The A-Sun is one that reseeds for the semifinals. So if there is an upset in the quarters, Kennesaw State could get a much easier game than Liberty. So then you'd have Kennesaw State who beat Liberty in the one regular season meeting, and they'd be at home. Yep. I think Kennesaw State at plus 300 is a, a pretty decent look there in the A-Sun. Um, I also like Hofstra in the CAA. Now, Charleston's a better team. Hofstra's the number one because they won the head-to-head -head meeting. But this is another one where because Charleston's the number two, 
they probably play Towson in the semifinals. Towson is good, a man. much better team than UNC Wilmington or Drexel, somebody like that. Towson is a quality basketball team. So I like Hofstra at plus 180 simply because I think their path is easier by being the number one seed, not having to play Towson. So I like that for Hofstra. Then it's a similar thing in, in the Missouri Valley here where, you know, look, I, I just, I hate the fact that Bradley's probably going to run into Belmont. I mean, Belmont beat him twice during the regular season. Drake winds up with probably Southern Illinois, which is a game I think they can win. So that's one that I was kind of looking at too, where just saying like the number one seed almost got penalized a little bit by being the number one seed because Belmont just wasn't a good matchup for them. So that's something that they may run into here um, in this conference tournament. They lost 63-60 and 78-76. So both games could have gone either way. But I think Drake, by losing the finale, actually ends up with a better draw as the two seed. So I think Drake is the team that kind of interests me there uh, in the Missouri Valley. Of course, they are plus 135. But then the other flip side of that coin is that game is a pick em, maybe Drake minus one. So Bradley at plus 190 is a much better number than you would get in the championship game. So the only thing that concerns me is Bradley playing Belmont, but that was one where you could justify Bradley at plus 190 if you think they get revenge against Belmont. Um, but Drake probably has the easier path there in the in Arch Madness. Just need your Kennesaw State Owls to get by Queens. Uh, they dropped from a hundred to one to thirty-five to one after their win on Monday night. So uh, you know what? I, I'm going to say that I might be on Kennesaw State in that game because so number I Queen, see at DraftKings is eight and a half right now. Yeah, here's State. the problem: so Kenny Die is everything for Queens for the most part, but he's played a ton of minutes. He had nine points in both games against Liberty. He was three of 12 for 12 points in the win over Florida Gulf Coast. Like, I don't know if he's just out of gas or if he's hurt or what, but I don't know if Queens can keep up. And I guess this is one last good point to end on here. You know, the Ivy League plays back-to-back days, right? They're used to it. These other conferences don't. So you may beat a team in double overtime and then have to play the next day. And the Missouri Valley Conference tournament used to be notorious for this. We're like, you would turn around and play the number one seed at noon after winning the evening before. Like, it was a brutal scheduling spot. But keep that in mind. And one of the nice things about Torvik as well is you can look at the percentage of minutes that guys play. And obviously, Ken Palm has things about bench minutes and, and continuity and all that. But, like, if you've got a team that doesn't have any depth, and they've won two games in two days, and maybe one went to overtime or one was close, something like that. Like, we like to sit here and think, okay, they're 18 to 23-year-old kids. Like, they have a gas tank. They can keep going. That's not always the case. So keep an eye out for that, where teams are playing on two, three, four consecutive days. Conference tournaments are unique in that regard, outside of, like, the early season, you know, neutral site tournaments. So that's something that can really hurt teams if they don't have a lot of depth. And that's something that you can prey on, whether it's live, second half, full game, however you want to approach it. All right. Once again, stick to vcin.com and uh, make sure to check out all of Adam's recaps or write-ups, I should say, not recaps. Uh, hopefully we're recapping some winners. Um, if I do on, end up pulling the trigger, I need to see if uh, I did, was able to parlay a couple conference tournaments last year uh, so we'll see if uh, we can do that this year. But uh, a couple long shots there from Adam, um, and we will be back on Wednesday night. And then I certainly... got to remind you before we go, make sure you make that Chicago State bet. Oh, that's so right. We'll be yes. Following along, Chicago State. We need to figure out. I got to write that down. <laughs> Note to myself: Chicago State on Wednesday. We are, we will make that happen. <laughs> that's one gotta... of those things you're gonna you're gonna look at it tomorrow morning and go. Did I do the podcast drunk? Why did I write down <laughs> Chicago State? Chicago State on Wednesday. We got to figure it out. Hopefully, uh, Boise State can get home on Tuesday, so I have a little extra money to uh, to burn on Wednesday night. Uh, and when Gonzaga's <laughs> up by nine hundred, I will uh, <laughs> feel uh, pretty terrible. But uh, I will uh, I will figure out my method of madness how to bet Chicago State. I'm sure I'll pick the wrong possible way on that one. But uh, we got a lot of lot of content coming your way. 
uh, all throughout the next couple of weeks. This is the time to shine for college basketball. Adam is a part of it. Matt Newmans will be a part of it. Uh, we'll have different people floating in and out of this feed, but uh, I can promise you one thing, tons of content. So please let people know, rate, review, and most importantly, subscribe to the VEASAN College Basketball Betting Podcast. For Adam Burke, you can follow him on Twitter, at Skating Tripods. I am Tim Murray. We will talk to you later this week right here on the College Basketball Betting Podcast. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.